This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 8, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The attacks of September 11, 2001 spurred a reshuffling of federal law enforcement. That's been for ill, according to Cato Institute legal policy analyst David Ritgers. He argues the massive Department of Homeland Security is duplicative, engages in jobs that should be left to states and the private sector, and stands in opposition to the demands of a free society. Ritgers is author of the forthcoming Cato paper, Abolish the Department of Homeland Security. Why should people uh, seriously consider that this department that has amalgamated all of these different uh, law enforcement tasks be eliminated wholesale? Well, as a managerial technique, the amalgamation of disparate fields of responsibility within government really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, And if this did make sense, then long ago we would have consolidated all the responsibilities within the cabinet uh, under one official, the secretary of government, and been done with it. We haven't done so because that doesn't make sense. And and if this made sense in the private sector, there would be one company, ACME or corporation or whatever you would call it, uh, where, you know, everything would would naturally run together. Uh, And so the instinct to lump all of these responsibilities under one uh, cabinet official, it really doesn't make sense as a uh, Uh, as a manageable span of control, the number of subordinates under any uh, supervisor. It's a very difficult way to to run government. And because of that, we're now spending $3.4 billion to uh, build a massive headquarters for parts of the DHS uh, headquarters apparatus within the national capital region, but it's actually only going to house 14,000 of the 35,000 DHS headquarters employees uh, in the area. And uh, so we're projecting a $400 million savings uh, with a $3.4 billion expenditure over the next 30 years. Now, I think first, the number itself, it's pretty hard to project anything 30 years with any accuracy. Uh, and second, you know, only in government would we say that this is a good value uh, for the money spent instead of rethinking the structure itself that's dictating all of the inefficiency that's, that's, you know, the impetus for this construction project. Uh, So, and within DHS, we see uh, three areas that I focus on uh, where we've over-federalized or duplicated things that are already being done. Uh, the first of those is, is the, uh, the grants that we've spent, uh, the grant money we've spent since 9-11. The second uh, is aviation security, and, and the third uh, is fusion centers. Uh, so I'll go through those in turn. Uh, with regard to grants, we've seen about $34 billion spent since 9-11, uh, a good portion of that in pretty wasteful ways. And, and the ones that aren't wasteful in many cases really violate uh, core principles of fiscal federalism, keeping local money to support uh, local needs. Uh, and we've, we've really given up on that principle uh, with regard to the DHS grants. Uh, and both with uh, urban grants, there's a, a city program, and, and with regard to state grants, uh, politicians have used those as, as their own sort of pork barrels to uh, to uh, uh, to send money back to their districts, to their jurisdictions. And the reason that this is this is like catnip for politicians, because not every uh, every town or every county can host a military installation or build warships, but every jurisdiction has a police force or a fire department uh, that they can funnel money to through these programs. And it's very hard, especially in the immediate aftermath of September 11, 2001, uh, pretty much any piece of funding that had the word security uh, attached to it 
it was a very difficult say no to. And that's the genius, really, of Homeland Security. Not only is it very broad as a bureaucratic reality, uh, but once you, you incorporate all these things within Homeland Security, it's, it's very elastic as a concept. And as long as you ascribe the word Homeland Security uh, to, a, uh, to a grant program or to an activity, people just assume that it's an urgent ma- matter of national security, uh, you know, when in fact it may be something uh, you know, as simple as a, as a local uh, you know, a, a police station uh, grant uh, that uh, you know, really has nothing to do with uh, keeping al-Qaeda uh, at bay. Moving on to aviation security, I think we have to start with the very core difference uh, between uh, uh, the current political understanding and what's, what's true. Uh, the, the truth is, is that uh, commercial aviation and flying from one city to another within the United States is a private good, not a public good. And wherever we have a private good, uh, that should be protected with those private dollars supplied by the, the passengers, the companies, and the airports that constitute the transportation system uh, and, uh, and private security. I mean, as Jim Harper points out all the time, uh, the fact is that the person traveling is the person who's at risk um, more than anyone else. That that person has a much higher interest in their own security than somebody in Washington, D.C. has in their security. That's right. And if we were to subject aviation security to market pressures, it would face more rational scrutiny uh, and we'd have more cost-effective security uh, than, than we currently have, where we, we do this through the government. And so the burden of providing for aviation security financially should fall upon the flying public and not on the taxpayer. Uh, the third aspect of, uh, of activities underneath the Department of Homeland Security that, that really don't make any sense uh, is the creation of fusion centers. And these are uh, information sharing and analysis uh, offices uh, organized between law enforcement agencies, uh, starting uh, at the, uh, the local and state level in the wake of 9-11, uh, mostly because of a bureaucratic incentive to do something while the FBI did not share information very well with, with local agencies. They have since grown into a network. There's 73 of them across the nation. Uh, the DHS is setting up a, a joint fusion center a program management office to uh, essentially sort of tie these fusion centers into one another. Uh, the incentive for DHS to support a, a, a network of uh, intelligence and analysis that competes essentially with the FBI is clear. It's because there's a bureaucratic incentive for DHS to say we're doing something about terrorism when, in fact, the traditional uh, law enforcement investigation techniques that the FBI and and local cops have been using since 9-11 and, frankly, long before uh, are effective in neutralizing the terrorists that can be neutralized uh, prior to their attack. Conspiracy is, a, you know, is an ingrained part of the criminal justice system, and, and that's how you do it. And uh, the key thing to note is that the constitutional protections uh, within the Fourth Amendment, uh, primarily probable cause, serve as a filter for determining what leads are good leads and leads that should be pursued with uh, scarce law enforcement resources and, and which are not. And, and straying from that and trying to uh, predict tomorrow's terrorist, uh, as many fusion centers uh, have done, uh, has not proven to be an effective uh, way of determining who tomorrow's terrorist is going to be. That's as if saying, uh, we want to stop the next 9-11 attack by, uh, by monitoring everyone who owns a box cutter and buys an airplane ticket, when in fact, a better filter would be, and a better filter was uh, for the FBI agents on the, in the, on the ground who saw it, was people training to fly airplanes, not interested in landing them uh, on an airfield, uh, and uh, and and had they been listened to, you know, we wouldn't have the Department of Homeland Security established in the first place because the failings for, uh, that led to 9-11 uh, 
uh, were within the FBI and the CIA and, and did not necessitate creating uh, this new separate uh, uh, intelligence uh, uh, bureaucracy. And because fusion centers arose uh, to fill what is really a very small niche, uh, the legitimate task of, of uh, vetting uh, tips that come from the community and then, and then pushing those on to investigators. Uh, but because that's really a small niche and they're trying to distinguish themselves uh, from other investigative agencies and, uh, and state emergency operations centers, on the other hand, uh, there's become a, an academic publish or perish incentive where they uh, produce these reports that try to, to identify who might be a terrorist. And it really amounts to counterterrorism by demographics or counterterrorism uh, by uh, cataloging political beliefs. And so if you read some of these reports, you'll see uh, that, uh, that it amounts to a list of uh, organizations and people who have strongly held beliefs uh, protected by the First Amendment and, and expressed in ways that are protected by the First Amendment and little or no connection to anything that's an indicator of a, uh, a violent uh, terroristic intent. Uh, and, uh, you know, going down the road of trying to catalog who everyone is and, and what they believe, uh, while it's a... It, there's a lot of work to be done there, and because of the make-work incentive that has created fusion centers, that seems uh, you know within what they would want to do, but that's really not compatible uh, with the Constitution or with a free society. David Ritgers is author of the forthcoming Cato paper, Abolish the Department of Homeland Security. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.